Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Jackson. I'm Tim Alman. We're on the board. S&P Futures. We're off the races this morning here a little bit after a, a nice day yesterday after Friday or last week's debacle. S&P Futures are up 25. Nasdaq Futures up 41. Dow Futures up 250. 250. Do we have Mr. Brandon? I'm here, Chief. How are you this morning? All right, and you're sounding really good on this uh, Zoom, better than uh, maybe we used to sound on the telephone. You sound much better, too. I usually get this little crackly noise and then uh, a big drop-off in sound quality from the music to talking to you, and now you're sounding pretty good. Well, I think it's probably because you fixed your end, you know what I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with my end? (laughs) So uh, You're perfect in every way. What can I say? It's the... uh, how are you? I haven't talked to you in three weeks. Everything good? Everything is okay. You know, we had a wonderful time down in our uh, health resort spot in Mexico. It was a place where I did not open my computer uh, for 12 days, if you can imagine that. It was a place where there was no Internet in the room. There were no TVs or radios in the in the little casitas. There were a couple of places where there was Internet accessibility, but uh, very infrequently, was it available because of the number of people who were there and also the the purpose for being there. We started every day with a hike between two and five miles and uh, a lot of classes and good eating, healthy eating, which uh, really was a good thing. A really nice way to to unplug. You should try it sometime. Um, You know what the rumors are about you? What rumors? What rumors? What rumors? There's all kinds of rumors, but just these particular ones. Well, which ones are you talking about? You know the ones where the, the thing now where if you want to get your your knee or your shoulder fixed, just like the football player's been doing forever, you get the stem cell treatment? Yeah. Well, allegedly, in Mexico, maybe close to where you went, you can go down and for twenty-five grand, they give you the shot for the whole body. They just do an intravenous thing, and it, and it re- renews everything. The rumor has it that's what you're down there doing. Well, that's a very interesting rumor, right? and it sounds like a wonderful thing to change from a rumor to fact, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Where you come back and you'd be 40 years old. <laughs> or like a bionic man with everything replaced. Well, everything, you know, there isn't a part on my body that couldn't, couldn't use a little renew. Just saying, you know. Why not? If it works in a knee joint, why not do the whole body? Well, why stop there? Why stop at a knee? I, I agree. You remember Lee Majors with the $6 million man yeah. and uh, uh, Lindsay, what's her name, who was the bionic woman? Yeah. Uh, we can make him better than he was. Wasn't that the, uh, That's the it. tagline or something like that? So uh, yeah. hey, we it's not like there's not like there's not enough topics around. What uh, where do you want where do you want to start? Uh, I have one for you here. Uh, well, we got to talk a little bit about the city. I was with some people last night, and uh, um, of course they're crazed about this election, and and then they're you know they're, they're doing the stuff about the uh, people's perceived fear of being in the city. Of course, they're 
they're downplaying all of that, and I'm like, really? Uh, anyway, but here's what, uh, a technical question for a guy who knows an awful lot about bonds and so forth, because uh, Brendan is, uh, used to do all that stuff and probably still does some. How is it, I don't know if you've read about this uh, Credit Suisse takeover by uh, Union, Union Bank Switzerland? Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. Um, all of a sudden you're in an echo thing, but that last where we are. Uh, how is it that the 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 stockholders got something? They got like what they got one one share for every twenty two something something for every twenty two they had, so they didn't get a great deal. But they're the supposed tier one bondholders got totally wiped out. How how would they get wiped out and the and the and the equity members come out with a bone? Unfortunately, I can't answer that because I'm not that familiar with the banking laws in Europe for the bank takeover or how that would work. Um, and I, I don't know what the deal was that was struck with between UBS and um, uh, Credit Suisse or with what role the European bank th- uh, had in that. So I'm sorry that I can't answer the question how they got wiped out. But usually the bond holders come before the equity members, right? Right. The safety of the bonds is usually paramount for that kind of debt and that comes before equity in the United States. It, it sounds like some of the equity holders might have been more powerful than the bondholders. Could be, but remember that this was an issue that did come up in the Detroit bankruptcy or the the, the Detroit financial situation several years ago and uh, they, they worked it out where the bondholders were protected, but for a while there it looked like the bondholders were going to be uh, given less than um, than other city creditors, and that really shook up the municipal market because until that time, it was always thought that having a, a secured bond position was the best thing you could have. That's why you have the AAA ratings on so many municipal bonds, and that uh, that proceeding was about to change some of those um, uh, some of those positions. Well, uh, it just seems kind of strange. Have you since you've been back? Uh, are you as horrified as I am about the, the 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 talk on just about every subject, I, I mean, I, I mean, it, it bothers me when 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 people that don't seem to know have a clue about what they're talking about, which says a lot of people on TV, I guess, and maybe me on some subjects here. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get on TV nationwide unless I was kind of sure what I was talking about. I mean, I, I try to try to do that here. I don't know how many people are on TV talking about. Why would you have your your money in a bank when you could be in Bitcoin? And they they give these people like ten minute segments on TV. I mean, there is a chance somebody might actually believe that crap. I uh, I, uh, I certainly am not one of those. I I I have a great fear of Bitcoin and what that would mean, or any kind of that cryptocurrency. And I think what happened recently is an indication of just why. Uh, but not only because of the volatility of the crypto market, but also it's a burgeoning field with very little protections for anybody who wants to put their money in that as an investment. As bad as the banking system may be, at least we know what the rules are. Um, and we, we've learned now that perhaps even if banks go down, that the FDIC insurance requirements may be meaningless, meaning that even if you have more than $250,000 in, in your bank account, they may be covered. Well, why, I guess, Brendan, this is a, a subject that I, I don't know, I was always kind of involved in, not involved in, but interested in, all, going all the way back to the thrift fiasco. Um, why does anybody think, why has anybody ever thought 
that 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 FDIC thing is just it's just a guide. It's it's a I guess I guess it's an insurance thing. From an insurance company doesn't have any money or nowhere near as much. I mean, start with the with the premise, not the premise. The fact that I think there's 122 billion dollars in the FDIC. Now, where that money is, I doubt if it's if it is sitting in a bank somewhere. It's sitting right? in a bank, because yeah, so right. you know it's protected. Yeah, yeah, protected. <laughs> but there's uh, there's 16.7 trillion dollars in the system. Yeah. So anybody who thinks for a second, but the the but the idea is the system. You you want banks? There were, there were people yesterday. There was somebody on TV talking about how they can't believe that banks lend out money that people put in there. What? Yeah. I'm like, what What are you talking about? What do you think a bank does? <laughs> that's, that's, what that's what they've done from day one. I mean, and, and the idea is, in, in times of stress, a few banks probably always should go out because some loans that seem like they're okay maybe aren't okay. But that's, right. that's the whole point of the Federal Reserve is to be able to get in there, figure out, okay, how many loans are down? Does the equity of the bank cover it? They they end up selling it to another place at the usually the, most, the best price on earth. If you and I could ever get in on one of those on those buys, we want to be one of the buyers, and, and they eat some of the rest of it, and it, and, and it flows to the next place. The idea of having none of them ever fail and it, they, they never give out a loan does any where does anybody think this would our how our country would function if they didn't do that? If you think couldn't. back to think back to the movie, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, where, where did George Bailey, where did the Bailey Savings and Loan put all of its depositors' money? At everybody yeah. else's house. Remember, yeah, George. Remember, you wanted a loan, and I gave it to you for your restaurant, and you wanted your house, and and you know he was trying to stop the run on the bank. But yeah, exactly where the where the money went. It went back into the community, and that. And that was back in what the thirties, forties, when when that movie was there. So, uh, and you know, bank using the deposits for community loans and other loans um, goes beyond that earlier than that. But you end up. I, I know that if you if anybody were to think about it, if you look at an all day show like CNBC or Fox Business or whatever, that the uh, you know I guess most people, if they really thought about it, would realize. It's not news all day. It's mm-hmm. it's something other than that. But when you give a guy like was it Ack- Ackerman or Mackman, whatever his name is, if he shorts some bank or somebody shorts a bank and gets on there, and for the next twenty minutes or half hour, you give him that kind of time to basically rag on how bad the bank is because they're short the stock. I I just said I got a real issue with that. I, mean, I do too. And yeah, I mean, I mean, you, I mean, I'm, I mean, we we do a podcast sometimes on the air. I I would be very concerned about giving somebody a forum to to talk his own game, mm-hmm. and and, and I'm and I'm not CNBC. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to I, care. I, I'm right in alignment with you, Chief. I um, but I tell you, you know, every but you know everybody in this Twitter world, this, this is gonna this is gonna kill us. Did you? I don't know if you got home in time to watch the uh, the weekend, some of the weekend uh, news shows. I tell you what, Trump. Managed to upstage everything that's going on with this. I'm getting arrested today. Story. Mm-hmm. Everybody had an opinion on it. Everybody yep. had to talk about it. Everybody, do, you know, doing something. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just stunned at the whole thing. How the guy got himself back in the news that fast, and how, if the guy actually is going to do something to him today, why he would ever even think of doing that? Because all you do is give the guy another thing to talk about. Yes. Well, but if you don't, you know, let's play the other side. If 
this was a, 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 a ploy by Trump to avoid getting arrested. And if you believe, or if Alan Bragg believes that he did commit a crime, then you let him get away with it. He well, called the bluff. He but, called the bluff. But how long, I had a long discussion, somewhat animated, with my friend Jan Flanagan yesterday. How, how do you... I mean, I, I, I know that uh, in, in our day, if you got pulled over for going 80 miles an hour and said, well, the other guy was going 81, it didn't get you too far. Either with, right. the, either with the policeman or with your mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you had a south Which side, might have been worse than the policeman. Yeah, right, but probably was worse than the policeman. But how, how do you, if you take this prosecutorial discretion to the extreme that we have in this country, how do you, if you like somebody, and, and people like Trump, how do you not say, well, geez, what about everybody else? I mean, I don't think anybody... And then, what's his name? The guy from the House came on the other day, and that guy's turned into the most two-faced dude going, I mean, I, to me. But he, Who, McCarthy? Yeah, and he's talking about how uh, you, you, first you couldn't, you couldn't arrest him because he was a sitting president, and now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's past the statute of limitations. Well, it's got to be, you got to be one or the other. You, you can't duck under both, I would think. Right. I, I mean, the argument that you couldn't prosecute him or couldn't go after him while he was president should toll the statute of limitations. And are you familiar with the idea of tolling? No, what does that mean? It means that if you have a two-year period to bring charges before the statute of limitations run, and during that, say, six months of that, you are president and therefore can't be prosecuted, it doesn't mean that you can run out the clock for the two years by being president for that whole period. It means that the statute of limitations stops for that time of period where you're where you're um, um, unable to be prosecuted. So effectively, if you're president for two years and the statute of limitations is two years, you get another two years after that because the statute is told or stopped so that okay. the clock running for the statute of limitations stops running while uh, while you're exempt from prosecution. So you can't just uh, run out the clock, you know, like the old four corners in basketball. Yep. Uh, you can't you can't do that uh, and claim that you can't prosecute me as long as I'm president. And oh, by the way, once I'm over, that means that I'm past the statute of limitations. But how do you I mean? It's I'm in, I'm in the middle on this. I feel like I'm in the ping pong ball uh, because I can see trying to see every side of it. And I you know I look at the Illinois history. You know the late big Jim Thompson. Essentially, I don't think I ever had any talent anywhere. We probably did, but but uh, but he basically built a whole life and a career on putting Otto Kerner in jail, and I'm not so sure Otto Kerner was even guilty. Mm-hmm. And and what's his name Webb, who's still alive and still is one of the highest paid press or uh, lawyers in the land, put George Ryan in jail the same year he was going to get a peace prize for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, those guys basically have mounted in the same way with the the guy. I don't think I who put Blagojevich in jail is is is, is fared as well. But this guy knows, is this Bragg guy, I mean, he has to know in the back of his mind that if he were to convict a, a former president, the, guy, the, the guy's life is in front of him on a gold, on a gold thread, right, in terms of being an attorney. He's going to leave the, that business, and he, some firm's going to want him right away. I mean, how do you, how do you get the, the trophy part out when I'm sure there's all kinds of other things the guy could be doing in, in Manhattan? I mean, how much... Well, I mean, well look, if, if you look at a place like Manhattan, you look at a place of Illinois... There are a lot of targets out there that you could go after. So you pick and choose who you think you can convict. And yes, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, maybe if you had the time, uh, you could 
prosecute everybody, but instead of prosecuting everybody, you've got to select who you think uh, you've got the case against, who you can win against. And yes, yeah, sometimes it is a trophy, but sometimes those are the most egregious cases for 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 building uh, public trust. I mean, look at what's going on now with the ComEd trial. And look what happened with Blagojevich. And Blagojevich and Madigan are both, and the, the ComEd 4, are saying this is just legitimate uh, lobbying that we do all the time. And we've talked on this show about the influence of lobbyists in D.C. and in the state of Illinois and elsewhere. At some point, you cross the line. And, and at some point, the idea of a lobby, I mean, think back to when lobbyists first started. It was that somebody would hire somebody to get to the legislators to explain a position so that a legislature in his or her own mind can do research and say, okay, I hear what you're saying on behalf of client X. I didn't understand it quite that way before. And based on what you're telling me, it is a good idea for the public to pass this legislation or to deny this legislation. Lobbying has changed in a way where it's using influence, using political influence to get what you want, regardless of whether it's good for the public or the public trust. The ComEd bill, for example, from 2011, the, the smart grid, was so controversial because uh, it, it was at a time when ComEd was, was really, really um, in poor financial shape. And the smart grid was a way for them according to, to According to them. Up. According to them. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, they they were in worse financial shape than they were after the pass of the smart grid. But the general public was did not fare as well and did not fare as well as the whole idea behind the smart grid system. And then you look behind that and say, why? Well, you know, some of their expenses, uh, if if this is true and if it's proven in the court with the ComEd, part of the the additional cost that ComEd is paying is because of a puffed up payroll to satisfy legislators in the Illinois legislature. Well, they're also paying lobbyists out the ass. That's right. And, and attorneys, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. So, you know, um, yes, it may be selective prosecution on behalf of Bragg, but the same thing would be said if he went after uh, a, a drug lord instead of Trump. Or well, if he I went guess, after it's a, a crime cartel in on the streets of New York. He's picking and choosing who it is. And, uh, you know, when you look at somebody, whether it's a, a Democrat like Blagojevich or a, a Republican like Trump, then what is the reason behind it? Is it because of who they are, what their politics are, or is it that they committed a crime? Well, I mean, a lot of people basically commit crimes. Okay. Right. I mean, and, and I'm going to say that I, I read some stuff, and I don't have it, so I can't really show it to you, but on the Blagojevich situation, the guy never took a dime. I mean, he was a sleazebag, you know, type of thing, kind of guy, But because I mean, he he was trying to do something, gain some favor for a senator seat, which, by the way, people are willing to give. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I read somewhere, I, I shouldn't be quoting this, but I will, was something like 70-80% of, of, the, of the whole time of the office staff of that particular guy, or 60 or 70, whatever it was, was on this case. And, and they basically abandoned bank robberies and all the other stuff that were going on at the same time. Well, that that I, that I would never I would never allow if I was that guy's boss. 
I, I, I haven't read that. I, I don't know. I haven't heard that. I, 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 so I can't tell you whether that's true or not. Well, I mean, uh, look, at the, look at the amount of people they had on that case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what percentage it was. I don't know how many people the guy has in his office. Like I said, I hesitated to pop that one out there. But the fact is, the guy never made a dime. Look at mm-hmm. She was so clumsy at it, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan. But and then I, the way that they gave the guy a second trial here, out in the jury, the juror that voted no, I mean, I thought that was an absolute travesty, Brendan. I, how that second trial didn't go to another state, I have no idea. Or another area. Well, I'm just saying. So, so you're willing to give politicians a pass? No, I, 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 I'm saying Blagojevich, <laughs> he made a few phone calls. Well, let me put it this way. I don't see any reason why Commonwealth Edison, how the board is still there, how the fine they got wasn't like $5 billion, and, and nobody on the board should be able to have a board seat again. Why are these four people held culpable? It's, they've been doing that for 100 years. I agree with that, and yeah, I think part of the purpose of this is that if these four are convicted, then it will serve as a way to stop other. The idea is it would stop others from doing it in the future. That may be, that may be pie in the sky that uh, it's going to continue to well, happen. But it wasn't their idea. <laughs> How many people are the on the C-suite floor there? All right, let me ask you a question, Chief. If all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? The old, what did my mom tell me? I, I'm saying that this is a, a corporate culture, Brennan. I mean, I, I was at a, a, a cocktail party for some guy, a senator, one night, and the lady starts talking to me, and she was drop dead gorgeous, dressed to the nines, and she was a Commonwealth Edison lobbyist. Mm-hmm. And yep. somebody's paying her, but I, but I mean, if you, if you went down the line, I, I have I just happen to know some people that do electrical, not the high wire guys, and the the one where they were going to replace. Uh, they got a big rate increase to replace like every one of the transformers out in your alley that have been there like a gazillion years. Well, like two months later, the guy got a call down in Inglewood in the summertime. It was like 90 to 98 degrees because one of them conked out. He said the thing had a, a date on it of like 1916. And he asked one of the, he's surrounded by all, all these African American kids watching him do his stuff. He's a real nice guy. And he, and he asked one of the kids, hey, do me a favor, you go, go find me the longest stick you can. <laughs> The guy said, "I stood back eight feet and hit the hit the button with the stick. I wasn't going to touch it." He goes, mm-hmm. this, this, "They don't uh, people's gas. How much? How, how much? How much rate increases have they gotten to replace all these gas lines? They need to replace two and a half percent a year. I was just reading they were replacing one percent. They're not even close. Nobody audits them. Nobody does anything. And nobody inspects any of this stuff. And, and these guys have been do, have been working this for for what? I mean, Sam Insult." In 1916, they passed a, 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 a what the, the uh, Public Utility Holding Company Act was against him, wasn't it? He was the original. Hey, guy. What, is, what does this do with the question we started with, with selective prosecution? Well, I'm saying it, 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 at this point, to put these four people in jail and the company, everybody else in the place keeps getting their bonuses and wondering, what have you done, Brennan? I mean, I, you're, you're you saying. You put four people in jail. You, well, you, so and, you're saying and, that if, if I'm the. The vice president, I better not do what they want me to do because I'll go to jail and they won't. I mean, is that the message? Um, that's part of the message. The other part of the message is we won't tolerate this. I well, I'm. I, I, I mean, I mean, think about think about some of the people who call into the show or who write into the show that talk about screaming about uh, putting people in jail or yeah. or doing something to them. This is the same thing. 
Well, I'm not, I'll maybe bet. a different target. It, it's a different target, but it's the same thing. So you're saying if there was another one of these uh, little drink fests that I was invited to or paid my money to to go again, I wouldn't find a Commonwealth Edison a very attractive lady there because they've learned their lesson? No, but what I'm saying is that if the ComEd 4 are, um, are convicted, the lobbyist would not be Hooker or Doherty or McLean. Okay. It'd be, and you're right. For every person, you know, it is like a hydra. I agree with you that, that it's like a hydra. We're not going to solve all of it. But just because we can't solve all of it doesn't mean that because it's a white-collar crime, they should get away with it. I, I You know what? I'm with you 100% because I, I grew up the same way you did. I have the exact same morality, which doesn't make for a good argument. But <laughs> it, it does reach a point, Brendan, when there's a hundred idiots running around doing stuff, and, and how did you how did you pick the one? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that was the, basically the the argument from uh, Jan Flanagan yesterday regarding Trump. The you know the amount of people in Washington that are that are are flamingly guilty of all kinds of stuff. How do you even how do you even start with somebody? Well, I agree, but if you go, you know, if if you if you get um, a, a third level vice president at a bank and convict him or her of a crime like this instead of going after the president of the bank, it's going to be meaningless. If, yeah. if you're willing to go after the president of a bank or a president of a corporation or the president of the United States for crimes, then it says a message that, that we will go after you if you break the law, regardless of who you are. Okay. Well, having having uh, something like George Ryan go to jail is much more meaningful than have a clerk in his office who's stamped, approved on a license uh, back at the time to kill. So, I mean, that's the other thing that when you're talking about select prosecution, there is one line of thought that you go after the small guys to keep going up the chain until you finally get enough evidence to get the guy at the top of the heap. But if you have enough evidence, why don't you go after the guy at the top of the heap in the first place to show that everybody else below him can also be put in jail? That's the deterrent factor. That's how it should work in concept. I would agree 100% with the should part. Brennan, thank you. By the way, you sounded great. Glad you're back in one, in one piece, and we should think about going down for the big shot. <laughs> Fix the okay. whole body. Twenty-five grand, I hear, including airfare. A bargain at twice the price, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> SP Futures up 33, NASA Futures up 81. Be right back. Joel on Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 31, NASDAQ Futures up 82. We had Janet Yellen saying that government could backstop more deposits if necessary. Uh, you know, they sort of already have. I, don't, I, don't, I wish people would read some of the history of this. I'm really not as... On one hand, well, after I'm done with this, on uh, one hand, I'm very worried about what the Fed has done in the last four years, like I have been for four years. On the other hand, I really think that this crisis is something that we can get over. Um, but uh, anyway, and then people's total lack of uh, knowledge of how the banking system works is, is what's kind of troubling me. Anyway, SP Futures, like I said, up 3175. Uh, we've got the Dow Futures up 283. Uh, in Europe, we've got the DAX. Now, these guys were up high yesterday and they came back the other way. Now they're up today. DAX up 245, 1.6. FTSE up 100, 1.4. Uh, CAC round up 105, 1.5. So big, big moves across the board over in Europe. Uh, they didn't catch the, the last run up we did yesterday, but they're up today. Over in uh, Asia, um, Nikkei is closed. Last was on 320 for some reason. Uh, Hang Seng uh, is up to 258. That's 1.4 percent. Back over 19,000, 19,258. Shanghai up 20.6 percent. Uh, yesterday is a way of review. We're up 382 on the Dow. We're up 34 in the S&P. We're up 45 in the Nasdaq, which got back. Uh, I'm going to say some most of last Friday. So if we go up again today, we could erase all of that. Uh, bonds up seven basis points, 3.54. They're coming back up 
when I said the plans are actually going down, but as the 10-year rate is going up, I don't know if it's going to go back to four anytime soon, but it's uh, seemingly off its off its lows. Uh, the bond up 16 basis points, 2.62. That's a big move. Uh, Japan down 5.23, which is a big move also the other way. Oil up 15 cents, but 67.79 in the oil market is just is horrible. I mean, if you're long oil. Uh, Brent up 20 cents, 73.99. Natural gas up 2 cents, 2.24. Matter of fact, that's one of the biggest discussions I have with my clients now. People are saying, should we be buying oil here? And I have not decided uh, one way or the other. I just, it just seems like it keeps going down. Gold down 11.60. It uh, made it to 2,000 yesterday, barely. Now it's 19.71, so it's backed off a little bit. Silver down 3 cents, 22.61. Bitcoin. Up 115, 27,988s. It's been a beneficiary of all this. And the U.S. dollar, which has kind of been all over the place, but now it's right back where it was. The, the euro at 10, almost 108, and the pound at 122. So I'd say it's right about where it was eight weeks ago. So it's been up and down, up and down, but now right back where it was. Manny, what do you have for us, traffic, other sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. The, uh, the dreaded long-term closure of uh, the Kennedy Expressway has begun in earnest, Chief, and it looks like uh, right now the two left lanes on the inbound side between Montrose and Irving Park are closed, and the long-term closure of those two left lanes will be gradually extended during overnight work this week until reaching its end point at Ohio. And then those two left lanes will be closed, they're saying, for what, the next three years that this project is going to last? And we without, will take the over on that. Without leading the witness... Other than the fact that you have to do business with one or two people here, is there any reason why this wasn't done while the downtown was already closed? It's a great question. That would have made too much sense, though. Yeah. Uh, but that already has the Kennedy uh, backed up if you're coming uh, inbound uh, from the uh, suburbs. Um, and that will continue to be the case for the foreseeable future. No accidents to report, though. Eisenhower and Stevenson traffic building, but no accidents there either. Same for the South Side expressways. Uh, no accidents in the area. So we're off to a good start, but keep that in mind if you're coming inbound on the Kennedy. Weather today... Uh, Cloudy skies, but mild temperatures, a high of 50. Right now, it is mostly clear and 36 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast with a high of 68. Right now, it's overcast and 63. In sports, the Bulls with a nice win in Philadelphia last night, beating the 76ers in double overtime, 109-105. to Bulls are now 34-37. and That's good for 10th place in the East, which would put them in the play-in tournament. Um, but they obviously have about 11 games to go uh, to improve their standing. Suns were off last night. Blackhawks played. They were blown out by the Avalanche 5 nothing in Denver. Coyotes were off. They're at the Jets tonight. Chief. Why uh, with Philadelphia, when that, when that guy leaves the game, their their whole team changes so much. Uh, Stacey King was saying that they, when they had the guy that the Bulls now have last year, at least they still had a big guy in there drumming. Why did they get rid of him? They got, no, they got nobody behind him. They're, they're I guess they couldn't pay him um, or didn't want to because they have uh, pretty big uh, star power salaries. That that would be my guess. It was just a money thing because he was a pretty valuable backup for them and, and hard to replace. What was the story with Harden, Harden last night? Was he was he hung over or what? <laughs> I don't know. Joel, how are you, bud? I'm doing well. You're bringing up Stacy King, man. You are really uh, you're you're digging. You're going back. Where, he's the, he's the, where'd he, Stacy King go to school? He, he's the uh, Bulls uh, color announcer. He's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Where would he go to school? That's a good question. Oklahoma. Did he? There you go. Yeah. Young Matt Weber. Way to go. Good job. How you doing, Chief? I'm doing all right. How about you? You know, I'm doing fantastic considering I don't have a team playing. And considering I had a team that had an eight-point lead with over a minute to go on the NIT, and they blew it. I'm doing pretty good. Okay. So, Lisa, at least you're not Purdue. 
lost to a team that didn't even shouldn't even been in the 16th spot. They shouldn't have been. No, no, because the team that from their conference was a Division Two last year, and you're not ev- uh, eligible to play in the tournament. Uh, yep, fairly ridiculous. They almost uh, they almost pulled an upset when we were a number one seed back in 1985. That was, uh, believe it or not, uh, I know I seem younger, but that was my senior year in college. We had Roy Tarpley. You don't remember that name. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. He passed on, unfortunately. He had a, he had a lot of problems. But uh, what do you, you want to talk sports? Well, a, lot those, talk a lot of those markets? dudes, a lot of those guys are, uh, are dead early. Didn't uh, the big O dead, didn't he, Manny? Orlando Woolridge? Um, I actually don't know. I'll have to look it up. So let's, what, what, uh, are, are you learning a lot from the banking industry by the peop- from the people on TV, Joel, that don't know what the hell they're talking about? You know what, Chief? Sometimes the market talks to you. Yep. And you got and you gotta listen. What are, pe- what's it telling people you? Aren't, what the, they're telling us well, is that the Fed's done. I think they might do point two five. It's a it's a flip flip a coin between the the point two five or none or done. Right. And if they go point two five, they'll say we're slamming on the brakes yep. here. Um, they have to. They have to. I mean, I think we've been consistently talking about you can't uh, uh, raising rates is one thing, okay? But raising rates at the pace that they did is unprecedented, and they just gotta they just gotta stop. And I'm not calling for a pivot. I'm not talking about rates going lower. And I don't even think long term those low rates were good for the market. We need stability in rates. There's no reason why people that are, you know, are older people, fixed income, interest rates, should not be able to make money in the, with money in the bank. Even Well, sometimes you've got to go outside of the bank to get it, but no, there's no reason for it. And so I'm looking for stability in rates. I'm not looking for, you know, 2%. So that, that's the way I, it's just the way the market's acting now. It's almost like a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen. My only comment with that is from your lips to God's ears, anybody who's got an ounce of brains wants exactly what you just said. But when you say they raised the rates so fast, they raised them from nothing. They had, to, they, they had to raise the rates. I know. All of a sudden they got caught with their drawers down on this inflation when you and I have been talking about it for four years, for God's sake, maybe yep. six years. They, they got caught with their pants down. And where are you? You're an interest rates of zero. Well, to be even moderately, even to be neutral, like you're talking about, you got to get to four or three and a half. How do, you, how do you get from zero to three and a half other than violently? But I mean, if you look at the, the rate increases, Joel, and I think you'd agree with me on this, maybe not, they didn't even get mildly, uh, I'll say, contractionary till last November. Right? I mean, you don't, you don't go from... Zero to point seven five, and say you're doing something to fight inflation. I mean, who's kidding who? No, no, no. I, I, uh, you know, I it just it's a forced pivot. I mean, and that uh, my buddy Dennis used that word uh, word that before, and um, you know, you just have a situation where they they ha- this is what they have to do. They this is what the the Fed has to do, and I think the way the market's reacting now. Is that they they see that in the cards? But how does um, how does ninety percent, maybe ninety nine percent of the population, and every one of the the, the dummy political politicos we have, is convinced that the Fed has caused the problem by raising the rates too fast, when in fact the problem was they were down too low. 
They never should have been down there. That's that's where yeah. all the problems were. That's why all these banks and, and everybody has bonds, insurance companies, pension funds sitting on their books. That are, if, they had to, if they had to sell them today, or selling them for seventy cents on the bar. Somebody bought all that crap. Yeah, yeah. Now it's um, it's a rare situation. Be interesting what you know when the you know when they they write the history books. Uh, you know uh, on this era and um in the period. I mean, and the other thing too. I mean. Uh, you know, people like to disagree with me on it, but I think I think that the Fed was really put in a pickle, and I think that rates would have started going up in twenty or twenty, you know, twenty one if we wouldn't have had the pandemic. So instead of taking rates up, they had to do they had to do the exact opposite, right? They had to. They had to do it and just open up the floodgates, and that that's where I don't. You know, but I don't know that they that they that they they necessarily had to that to that extent. I mean, uh, they didn't do it to that extent during the Civil War, for God's sake, Joel. I mean, we're talking about a thirty five percent. Chief, money. you didn't have the internet during the Civil War. Yes, <laughs> that was probably the, the one the one plus of the whole thing. Was yeah. I mean, how do you how do you raise your money supply thirty five percent in eighteen months and not think you have a problem? Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. You're not supposed to say that anymore, though. You're not supposed to be a monetarist, Joel. I don't know what I am. I'm a, I, I really don't, Chief. You're, I a cl- mean, you're a closet monetarist. I'll tell you exactly what you I'm are. A, I'm a, you know, I try and be a realist. You know, I try and not get too opinionated. I try and let, you know, my simple, you know, technical analysis and, and feel for the market, guide my investment decisions, long-term and short-term. And I can honestly say that, like, you know, I haven't kicked the market's butt. I haven't had year. You know, maybe I mean some of those years. I mean, you have to be a dummy not to make double digits on your portfolio. Uh, but what I've been able, you know, to navigate is is the downturns. And if you know, if you have a you know diversify, I, I hear you talk about you know options and different things. I it's it it's a it's just a treacherous marketing environment. And people got too high expectations of the markets from 20 and 21. Uh, 22 was a cold reality. And now I think you're just in a period of, of, of grinding. You know, I don't, I, I mean, I call, I, you know, earlier in the year, we made that February high. I said, I thought the high was, you know, for the oh, year was in. I yeah. would agree. I just, uh, we got to let you dash here. I know you got to go, okay. but, but this All whole right. idea Dash like this. for trash, man. Go buy those regional banks, Chief. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, I, we got into a couple of them yesterday, I think. Very, very lightly, though. Take oh, care of yourself, yeah. bud. Well, I, I got in lightly, and now I'm in lighter. That's oh, God. That's the <laughs> We're going to go to a real quick break. Come back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. The moment I wake up. Welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Alma. over the board. Great choice of song there, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Ken- yeah, that's a, that's a beauty. What's uh, Mr. Kenny? How are you, bud? Do we have Kenny someplace? Of uh, you know, being a there kid, the whole Burt Backrat stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 you know what? What? what God, it was in a movie. What movie was it in? I can forget. Uh, I want to say. I want to say the Valley of the Dolls, but I don't think that was the movie. I think there was another one that she sang that was in the Valley of the Dolls. Valley of the Dolls, there's one you'll never see today. <laughs> no, but you know what's really funny is that my wife and I were talking about that over the weekend, and we went home and we put it on because it is really, it's a, people should watch that movie. It's a great movie. A lot of them, but now they, they never come on because they all got somebody taking their clothes off, every one of those movies. Yeah. <laughs> now you can't have that. I know. It was actually, it, it, you, that's so true. That is so true. But well, anyway, it, what's going on by you? Well, we just, I mean, I... We've had uh, amazing conversations, uh, people on the banking industry and so forth. But one question I wanted to lobby you this morning, because you're 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 a big time guy. What what is the fault the fallout of the equity people and this Credit Suisse getting something out of this deal and the bondholders getting totally trashed? The first well, two. Well, you know it's interesting because I put that in my note this morning because. You know, the EU and the UK came out yesterday and, you know, reiterated the established order, right? So shareholders first and then bondholders, blah, blah, blah. But remember, Switzerland is not part of the EU, nor is it part of the UK. They have their own banking regulators. And as I understand it, the people, the institutions that bought those 81 bonds in Switzerland for Credit Suisse were well aware of the Swiss regulator interpretation of who loses in the event of a bankruptcy? While you know it was supposed to be remote, the fact is it was very clear, as I understand it, that this is th- this is the path of people who lose in a pecking order. Okay, so, so it's the, so the fact so the fact that this happened, and now those eighty-one bondholders, you know, supposedly are going to lose. I don't think I think what's going to end up happening is going to be massive lawsuits. That's what I think is going to happen. But um, the fact that the pecking, you know, that they failed, and then the pecking order was revealed. 
suggests to me that now they're all stamped their feet going, no, no, no. I wanted the risk because those bonds pay higher interest, but when they fail, oh no, 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 I don't I don't want to I don't want the risk anymore. I want to be protected. I think that's baloney. Well if if it if it is just a, a way of doing business different than here and everybody knew about it, then I'm not as concerned. It's that's why I asked you. Well, but that seems to be everything I've understood and talked about and read, that was absolutely one of the risk factors that anyone buying those bonds. Now, in the EU and the UK, they interpret the rule differently. They say, no, shareholders come first in terms of a loss. If, if a bank fails or, uh, then the, or the, if the company fails and there are 81 bonds in there that the shareholders lose first and then it would filter down to the bondholders. But Switzerland says, uh-uh, not in, not in Switzerland. Here are the rules. Here's what we propose. Here's what we're going to enforce. And everybody knew it. And everybody knew it because those bonds paid a higher rate of interest. But what happens? Higher risk, higher return. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Yes, I'm right. Well, since right. you've made it into the 21st century, thank God, doesn't stop people. <laughs> just because there's a rule doesn't mean stop people from sniveling. Sniveling is well, the new, uh, and, that, and I think that's exactly right. So I, now, what I think they're already lining up. The lawyers are already lining up. You know, to to uh, bring a lawsuit. Of course, they are. This will keep the lawyers employed for sure. But I think if if the Swiss go, no, no, no. Here's the rule. Here's how we interpret it. This was always interpreted this way. There is no change in policy. You're out now. Uh, you know, let's see how it, let's see how it plays out. I bet there's people outside of Switzerland that bought those bonds that never read the stuff. Well, there are people because Europeans and people outside of Switzerland could buy those bonds through funds, right? You can't. I don't think you could buy them directly. You have to buy them through a fund. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of people looking for. Um, do I have exposure to those? to those bonds and if I do how much if you buy it in a fund I can't imagine the exposure is uh, it's going to be a percentage no. of that fund right hey, what's so, the uh, boy you know I, I should know the answer to this Dr. J and I went to years and years ago we were in uh, on the Vienna Stock Exchange and someday when there's no other news that was an interesting day <clears throat> talk about a wild group and a different way of doing business but can, can you buy stuff on like the Vienna can you just go and buy it on the Vienna Stock Exchange and these other I mean Switzerland Stock Exchange, or do you have to... I mean, I know, obviously, China, you got to have some kind of a fund, and that's recent, but I thought most places you could pretty much just buy it if you wanted to. I, I, I think in the... Because I consider that the, you know, the, 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 the developed world, right? Uh, uh, Europe, Switzerland, places like that. Yes, I believe through a place like Fidelity. Like, for instance, I buy some, some London stuff directly, but I buy it through my Fidelity account. They do it for me. I buy the actual, I buy the actual equity in London, Right, they do the FX conversion deal, all that yeah. stuff. But I can't buy that now. I'm assuming you can do it in Switzerland. I'm assuming you can do it any one of the any one of the EU countries through a brokerage. I'm not sure you could do it in places like you know Russia or China directly. I oh, think China! That, China's that. got. Uh, well, didn't they let like three or four funds in a few years ago? And I'm not even sure they're doing that anymore. But uh, you know what? It's so funny. I don't play in China directly at all. No, I, I think either. there's other places to put my money. The only exposure I have to China is in things like Apple, right? But but that's how I that, that's how I have exposure to China. But honestly, when people say to me, you know, should I invest in China? I go, why would you do that? Yeah, me I too. Think because there's way too much risk there. There's so many other places in the world for investors to put their money and feel safe and secure and earn a great rate uh, of return than China. I, I just I just I see no reason. And I don't uh, invest in China. Kenny, do you have any inside track? Because sometimes you do. I, I this you know this this bank, the Silicon Valley, it's been, it's been all over the news on everything. But yeah. I, I kept reading a bunch of stuff about how they they would they would uh, provide or, or somehow were instrumental in getting 
the the initial equity capital, and then would right. and then would give loans to the place, and then right. would you know do the mortgages for the guys. It was huge all house. Very, it was all very incestuous because the VCs that funded these startups said, okay, we're going to give you the money, but you have to put the money in Silicon Valley Bank. Then you get that Silicon Valley Bank goes to you. Oh, great! Nice to have you as a client. We're going to give you a mortgage. Oh, and if you want to sell some of your insider stock that you can't sell, you want us to finance it so you can buy a house or build a house or buy a boat or buy a vacation property. We'll do that too. And so it was all very incestuous. What I mean is that there was no. Everyone went to that bank for all the all the all the VC funded startups were forced to go to that bank because that's what the VCs did. Which is why I laugh because. It was basically the VC's own bank, and they blew it up, which makes zero sense to me. I would, but but I think, what it seems, it seems to me, and again, that's why I'm asking you, that the relationship, a regular bank, unless you're an investment bank, you can't go find money for people. You can loan it to them, but how, how did they do that? How did they, was, or, were, or were the the VCs, were they, all, they part owners of the bank? I mean, it seems like way too close on the getting money for people and loaning them the money. That's right. It seems way too close. And I don't know if the VCs were owners or they were just huge supporters of it, right? Because they they forced everyone, all their startups, to put their money into that bank and to do all their banking relationships with Silicon Valley Bank. So it was very, very, very uh, cloudy and incestuous in my mind, and so which is part of the problem, right? Because then there was certainly no diversity. No one was outside. No one you know, had their money in other places. And then when the VCs recognized that, uh, something, by the way, that wasn't that's not uncommon because a lot of banks that hold long-term portfolios or insurance companies that own long-term portfolios, those portfolios are underwater. But if you are not forced to sell those portfolios, you receive the income, and then when the bonds uh, uh, mature, you get all your money back. So there's no reason to create panic, right? right. In this case, though, I think the flamethrowers in this, I'll call them the VCs, and it's Peter Thiel, Jason Galchen. They were all out there, David Sachs. They were all out there. On, on social media and in YouTube screaming about take your money out, take your money out. And the fact that you can take your money out just with your iPhone now, you go to your iPhone and you say, I want to move money, makes it only that much more. Uh, what do you think uh, the motivation uh, without, without you know, sticking your neck out, what do you think <clears throat> the motivation of those guys was? Well, I, yeah, see, and I raised this point. I, I, I want every one of them, I want the SEC to go in there and rip every one of their investment, their personal accounts to shreds. I want to open up. I want to see I how they too. were how they were positioned because they created this chaos. They created, it. and I think they're going to look at everybody: the husbands, the wives, the nieces, the nephews, the children, the aunts, the uncles. Anyone who's connected needs to be needs to be uh, I, uh, investigated. I know you're. I, I don't know. If you don't want to, if you don't answer this question, please don't. I don't want you to. I am very concerned. I've been watching. Uh, you know, I watch your, your old station, CNBC, a lot. Yeah, I cannot get over the amount of airtime. They're giving people pumping their own stock one way or the other, and without right. saying that's by the way, what's your position? What are you doing here? I mean, they're giving guys twenty minutes to talk about railing on some bank, and you know they're short this, the crap. I mean, I, I well, uh, I, uh, but you know what's interesting is that I don't understand why because every time I am asked or if they question me, the first thing I have to do is disclose: Do I own it? What's my position in it? Right. Um, I don't play all complicated strategies. I either own something or I don't. So I'm either long it or I'm not. I don't play on the short side. The only way, the only way I play on the short side is by buying those short ETFs that get me short the market. I don't short individual names. I don't set myself up like that, right? But I always have to announce before I say anything, do I own the stock or not? And am I looking at it, right? Yeah. Ahead of whether I own it or not, is it something I'm looking at? Would I buy it? 
right? I always have to do that. I don't understand why on CBC that's not why they changed. Because they, they used to do that. There was a disclosure that was up there saying, you know, XYZ owns the stock. Well, remember, when people start essentially, I mean, I'm very concerned about this. They, they, you know, they almost, the run was started from Twitter, but I, I, I don't get the connection. I mean, we, we don't do this at PTI. I mean, maybe we should have back in the day, but we never did go out and, like, raise money for people. If we did, I don't, I don't see what my connection would be to demand them to have this. They have their money in Lakeside or or be, Harris. Because or what's the if difference? you're giving, because if you're giving that startup the money, if you're the VC and you're giving me, you know, uh, I, I don't know, fifty million dollars, then you get to say, take your money and put it in the bank. This is what I mean. That bank was their bank. Okay. Right? They all played in that bank, which is why it's so curious that they went and blew it up. I don't understand why they blew it up. The, the bank wasn't the bank wasn't on the verge of failure. What happened was they created, you know, after they announced their earnings in January, and somebody dug in and said, "Oh, their bond portfolio is underwater." You're right, it is underwater. But look at every other bank; all their bond portfolios are underwater based on what the Fed has done. But all these other places also managed the risk, and they understood the risk, and they were hedged. Silicon Valley Bank, because apparently they were all dummies there. They didn't know how to hedge the risk. Nobody was paying attention. They didn't have a chief risk officer. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Fed, which the regulator fell down. Yeah, they right? did. They, I mean, they, they had one. They had a lady, but now they've scrubbed yeah. her off her page. Yeah, correct. But then Jay Powell even said yesterday, or there was an article in the journal over the weekend, I think, that the Fed was very aware of this situation at Silicon Valley Bank and warned them, in parentheses, warned them back in October to be aware of this portfolio, but then never followed up on it, apparently. Well, so, Kenny, uh, one know, real quick question. We're running over, I know, but the, the Fed did what they did for three years. Correct. Every single bond that they sold for a three-year period, and God knows what they did in Europe, is underwater someplace. They, exactly. They, they must know that. I mean, and, the idiots in Congress, Elizabeth Warren, must know that. Well, she No, I don't think she does know that. I don't think she does recognize that fact that they're underwater but being underwater doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad investment if you can hold it to maturity well that's a big if most banks do that's, that's a big if what about well, the same agreed. thing with the mortgages that are now underwater out there but uh, agreed but if you're not forced to sell them then you just collect the rent every month and at the end you get all your money back right that's the way it works i don't know why everyone was so surprised i think the surprise here is that they were so unhedged and it was an inappropriate portfolio for that particular bank because of their clientele. Because their clientele are tech people, they need they 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 spend money. You know how but you're, you're, they just spend and spend and spend. But you're you're also talking a little bit. I had a big discussion with somebody this weekend who is a trader and young lady, and I go, "You, you got to stop talking like a trader. You you can you can you can say I was an idiot for not hedging the portfolio, knowing that the rates are going up. But right. you but when you've got you know." Forty-eight bazillion dollars out there, the whole world can't hedge. Agreed, agreed. Which yeah. is why I think it was, you know, it was all very incestuous. You know how yep. they forced everybody into that one bank. That and is, that they, is crazy. And, they, and then they cried fire, you know. In a, in a well, next crowded, week, next week we'll talk game. a little bit about the, the the rumors of the Chinese influence too. I don't know what that's all about, but we got to do that next week. Kenny, right. take care of yourself. Great right. as usual. SP futures up thirty-five. Nasdaq futures up uh, uh, ninety-two. We'll have Mr. Helsner, professor. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Hello, everybody. Stocks and jocks. I'm Tamal. We're over on the board. S&P futures now up 36, and the S&P futures up 99. So we're been bullish pretty much all morning, and uh, we don't have uh, everything. Everything is green. We have uh, FRC, the uh, this, the one bank that everybody was well, several banks. This is the one that everybody was crazed about. Uh, First Republic uh, is up uh, 252 to 1470. Of course, the stock was like 130 not that long ago. Do we have the professor? Good morning, Tom. How are you, bud? Uh doing good. Just finished spring break and uh, getting midterms in, and now I gotta advise. Uh, so are you uh, are you happy with your are you happy with your hometown team, Georgetown, stealing the Providence Fly- Friars coach? <laughs> oh, really? I I do. I, I didn't know. Georgetown I thought, is in D.C. Th- it's not his hometown. Uh, oh, that's right. That's Washington right. State. Washington Wa- State. Yeah, he's Washington State. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> but I was a big Hoyas fan in the eighties. I yeah. love my favorite player is Michael Graham. The original bald guy with uh, shaved eyebrows. The guy that was like fifty years old as a freshman. Michael Graham. God, he only played he the was one a year. Stud, right? man. He played the one yeah, year. He, he had he one year. At, yeah, he had to leave. I think for academic reasons. I I think he was in. I think he had to leave to, to get the, the the striped suit. That guy. <laughs> I he, that guy was a freshman. Like I, like I'm something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like a. Uh, Picture from some country. Yeah, yeah. In he the was league. The, the guy. The guy we're talking about. He was a freshman on their national championship team, right? Well, he is one. That, he's the reason why they won because they uh, put him on Sam Bowie in the second half. Yeah, fully shut down Sam Bowie. I, I mean, I'm saying he was. Uh, he was a freshman. Came out of nowhere. I don't know if he knew what a class was, and he was gone. Right? Dude could dunk though, man. Oh yeah. And when he came <laughs> off that rim after gorilla dunking. Oh yeah. His elbows were swinging. Oh yeah. He was. He was really something. <laughs> I'm saying he. Uh, what, what was what was the the guy in Major League California Penal or something? What did what did the guy play pitch for? Uh, <laughs> well, so what do you make of uh, uh, the, well, I don't I don't know where to start with it. I was surprised. I learned we learned a lot from Kenny that actually in Switzerland the equity holders come ahead of the first tier bond holders, and that uh, the the bonds that got wiped out in this Credit Suisse thing that's according to well according to him is uh, is, is Swiss law. It's just different than here. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what happened here with uh, General Motors, right? The primary bondholders, the, the people that had the 
first claim to the company assets were uh, no, they put ended at up, the back of the bus. They no, they ended up with the new stock. Hmm, okay. Well, the, fact, whole, the whole company, General Motors, the whole company, uh, the, the company that we know of General Motors today, is that the same General Motors that existed before 2008? Because it was without, just, a, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, that's one of the things about about uh, being a broker, hell, that is, mm-hmm. it always, since I have been one for a long time, I mean, I was, I was a trader long before that, but I I really do like to stick with the indexes unless, I mean, I've been doing some stuff on these banks now because of volatility stuff, where if I can buy one at a 50 vol and sell it at a 70, you know, I'll do that, you know, that type of thing, do a calendar spread or something, but... I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm well aware that I'm not the guy saying today's the day that, you know, First Republic is turning around versus yesterday. I mean, anybody who thinks that, I mean, you know, good luck to you. But I, well, uh, I think it, it feels like the uh, moment the when the, the when the wind's calm and the seas are nice and calm, it's, it's the moment right before the storm hits. Oh, yeah. In yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But, but you end it's up... It's that calm before the storm. But, yeah, but you, you end up with the... Uh, you know these 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 big moves and this this massive swings and they're based on all these news items that you can't get ahead of. I mean, anybody who thinks that they're getting the news in time to make a trade, like other people, I mean, I don't. Someday, I guess I want to see if, uh, if there is a heaven. Maybe I can look down and see who the other people really are for the first time in my life. But uh, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously somebody has this information, and you and you just have to be defensive. I mean, you can't be yeah. um, you can't be in a situation where. You well, think you think you know more than you do. I mean, uh, well, I think the, I think uh, the insiders in the Fed, these investment Wall Street banks, I think they have a pretty idea what the information is. I was looking up. I was trying to look at discount um, lending on the Federal Reserve's website, and they have it. I mean, they know exactly how much discount. They know how many discount loans are being made right now. Oh sure. And they know what the they know what the level is right now. You know what the Last month in their series is currently on their website. It's uh, where are we? Uh, January. January. It's October. Okay. I just checked it. It was October. Come on, you can be a little more transparent. You can well, let this, us this guy, see that data the, as we need it. The thing that pisses me off the bo- most about him, Paul, is he stopped giving out weekly money supply numbers. So if you want yeah. your money supply number, it, it's from January, and we're in March. Well, they also merged the M1 into M2. During the month of the for the first month of the pandemic too, so well, I'm not going to be I, too conspiratorial, but if yeah. I if, if I was if I was ever elected to some place where I could grill this guy, first thing I would say is, so, Mr. Chairman, you stop giving out the weekly money supply numbers. Oh yeah, those numbers like don't mean much, you know. So we stop giving them out. Now, did you stop collecting them? Well, no, we still collect them. So nobody gets them. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that. Well, tell me, well, tell me who gets them where I don't get them, but they get them. Because somebody's getting them, you know the same well, people. I'm sure. Like, I'm, sure well, I'm sure Goldman Sachs. I mean, they were rescued during the financial crisis for purposes of continuing that open door policy, that revolving yeah. door between government, public service, quote unquote, public service, yeah, and uh, private sector work, right? So they're, they're getting that information. I'm guarantee you that. I'm saying yeah, because I mean, it's not like they stopped collecting it. If they stopped collecting it, yeah. I guess I still would be against it. But at least then I would say it's fair. But you know they're collecting yeah. it. Where's it going? Yeah, I was, I was just shocked that the, the latest number is in October on discount lending. I was just shocked by that. Because well, I read an article last night about uh, uh, a parent jump in discount lending that surpasses the worst part of the financial crisis of 2008, 2009. Well, and this last and weekend. This, this banking crisis just started. Well, this last weekend, didn't they, uh, 
they the world coordinated when they say them Bank of Japan Bank of England they, then they pour so much money in the system worldwide I mean that's why the market's up oh yeah I mean they're just reinflating yeah I mean I mean what are they gonna do they're gonna keep raising interest rates and causing more of these banks to be underwater well or in their in their assets or are they gonna hike rates and cause and get inflation under control I mean, well what they, are they gonna do they in the last three and a half years now granted the COVID was an outlier, but really for the last, I'm going to say certainly since 2008, and I could make a claim all the way back to 2000, but let's say 2008, they have eviscerated every saver who didn't have their money in the market at the right mm-hmm. stocks. Now, you could have been, well, I started this conversation by saying the worst thing about being a broker, hell, is when people ask about individual stocks. Because the last thing you want to say is you love the thing and have it go Go belly up. I mean, I, I like Jim Cramer does. Jim well, yeah, Cramer, well, hey, you know, SVB, buy SVB. But what? What if? But he, he didn't seem to care. But 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 I do. What mm-hmm. what if, if? If Daddy Hal, your dad, came to me in two thousand and seven, or two thousand and six, and said, uh, "Hey, what do you think of?" Or two thousand. What do you think of uh, these stocks? Uh, let's see: Bear Stearns, Lehman, General Motors, United Airlines, Kmart, Sears. You'd say, especially in the Chicago area, those are all—not all of them, but some of them are. A lot of those are Chicago stacks. What, what are you going to say? Sell them all? They're all going bankrupt? Yeah. But they all did, right? You get you, people look at General Motors; they forget all about that the original General Motors that your dad owned went out worthless. So, yeah. I mean, how many people in Chicago own Sears? For God's sake, yeah. the company's been here since God knows where. When I mean, Kmart, United Airlines was a was a big Chicago stack. They they went bankrupt, right? You got nothing, so I mean, you got to be. I've always been very, very, you know. You, plus, you know, if you told somebody in 1997 you liked American Airlines or United Airlines, and you know how many years later the thing went belly up, it's your fault, right? <laughs> you said, yeah, you, yeah. Like, you know. So I mean, it, I don't know these banks. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. The thing that just frosts me the whole way here, you know, one of the things is that the same people that are bitching. Elizabeth Warrens, the people on the Republican side, everybody, they're, just, they're the people they know. They have to know that everybody has got these things on their books, that if they had to mark them to market today, they'd have a problem. And, and what do you think? I mean, we were on two weeks ago. You and I mentioned that I had heard uh, that there was a $2.3 trillion decrease in, in uh, property values in that whole San Francisco Silicon Valley, Valley, you know, six months ago from now to six months ago or a year. Well, somebody owns those mortgages. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean, you and I know that. Immediately we say, okay, somebody's got an overvalued mortgage on their books. Duh. Right? What, I mean, what, what would your guess be as a, not as a political pundit or not somebody who's short anything, if the Fed had to sell their balance sheet of $8.1 trillion or $8.3 trillion today, what do you think it's worth? Six? Probably, I would think, maybe even lower. I, would, boy, I right? hope it wouldn't be lower. What, what do you suppose the, the European Central Bank one looks like when they bought all those things at negative interest? That thing has yeah. got to be a nightmare. Yeah. Well, you know, they can, they can do it because they can print the money. So well, they, but they also can just, they can just hold on to it. Yeah. I mean, eventually... They can hold on to it. They yeah. could, I don't think they're going to sell it. No, I, mean, I know. Who yeah, they, they sell can't it to? sell it because they'd be competing with the Treasury, right? But that's but now Treasury, Treasury's yeah. got to cover a trillion dollar deficit. Well, I mean, if if a bond goes out at, I'm just trying to do the math in my head here. If a bond goes out 
at let's say something really low, like one and a half percent, you know, a thirty-year band, and or a ten-year band would be more of a bill, I guess. Well, well ten years is a note, right? Test technically, it's over ten years a band. Anyway, so say it's thirty years. So that goes out at a percent and a half, and you buy it to where it's a negative interest. What are you paying for it? You got to be paying like one twenty-five or something, right? One thirty, maybe. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. Okay, so now the interest rates are back up to say three percent in Europe, two point seven five. That bond's got to be trading. If it came out with a one point five percent coupon, it's got to be trading eighty-eight, eighty-seven, yeah. eighty-five, somewhere. That's, in how, bad, that's and, how bad it can get. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's well, I mean, I'm just kind of doing it in my head from memory when we used to trade this stuff on the board of trade. Uh, and I'm going to say you paid one thirty for it. It's trading eighty-five. That's a hole <laughs> in your portfolio. But if you're a central bank, I I guess you just sail on, eh? <laughs> yeah, sail on. Yeah, the, these uh, small regional banks they they did the same thing that SVB did. They're they're probably got holding a bunch of these bonds that are two percent coupons, and then all of a sudden the Federal Reserve raises rates up to four or five percent, and they they can't pay more on their savings, right? They can't they can't increase the the rate that they pay on savings. So what do people do? They pull their money out, yeah, and they take take it to a bond that's paying four and a half, right? Well, I just at some at some point people need to put a sign over these. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they're bad people, Hal. I mean, I, I never I never say that. I mean, I, I try not. Well, they're not they're not bad people. The, the whole system is racked with moral hazard, just incredible moral hazard. Imagine. Giving your kids cell phones and they just call people all throughout the world, and your cell phone bills a thousand dollars a month. And you, your response is, "Don't do that again." Yeah, that's basically what happened in two thousand eight, and here we are doing it again. Right? Well, I mean, I, I just, the moral hazard is the problem. When I'm, I'm a little older than you, the, the 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 fatigue and everything we went through during the seventies and early eighties. I thought nowhere, and if I had any kids, their lifetime would we ever make that mistake again. And here, I'm not even dead yet, and we did it again. Well, yeah, because we elect people who need to get reelected every couple of years, and in order to do that, what do they do? They promise all these programs that we can't pay for, and they uh, run up debts. And this is a Republican and Democrat issue. Yeah. Um, then on top of that, income taxes are levied on us, and. They're levied on us to, you know, take from the rich to give to the poor, enforced uh, charity. But in reality, they're used to finance wars. And the, this war in Ukraine just has me so upset. I can't believe people are this stupid. We, I think you could argue that we won the war on terror by just simply pumping oil and driving crude oil prices down to forty dollars a barrel. These rogue nations in the Middle East that were financing terror no longer had the money to finance terror operations. Now we have a president who on day one of his administration kind of reverses the... He wants to end drilling. He wants to end natural gas exploration. He said no more drilling in a couple of speeches. And then he lops on sanctions that only us and the Europeans are abiding to. Yeah. And Russia's flush with all kinds of money. Crudel prices are high. So they have money to finance the war. They probably can't win, like we couldn't win in Afghanistan. If all they had, if all they did was just say, "Look, drillers have at it. Go out, 
drill, be careful. If you pollute, if you are sloppy, you're going to be 100% liable for all the damage you do environmentally. But have at it. Drive the crude oil price down. You know, half of what it is. Natural gas price is half of what it is. Putin is a natural gas company. I mean, a natural gas economy, a, a crude oil economy. You do that, and you bankrupt Putin. He can't finance his war anymore. But instead, we have the idiots in D.C. like Mitt Romney and Lindsey Graham siding with the Democrats, who were supposed to be anti-war, funding this guy in Ukraine, who's shutting down political uh, political uh, newspapers that oppose him, shutting down political parties that uh, oppose him. And I'm just, I can't, you can't understand how angry I am at these guys that are supposedly represent, representing us. There has to be some kind of side hustle to this. this well, there's, there's uh, every once in a while, I mean, it seemingly happens constantly. And I, I, I certainly see your side of this, Alan. John Flanagan's kind of is on the same same spot, and I surely respect him like I do you. I just every time I I, I spend a lot of off time, why I don't know, uh, reading kind of about history and, and and despots all over the place, and and, and once you get one, and and uh, and I don't know if you've, if you've ever listened when I lose on, he's he's constantly slapping me upside the head. Uh, in, a, in a good way and in, in a way that's deserved to be honest with you Chief you can't keep putting your own way you think into these other people and thinking they're going to be rational they're just not I mean, there's, 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 there's no he says there's no way I mean, before this thing even started I said to Lou you know I, I, don't, I don't get it it sure seems to me like Putin would be a hell of a lot better off cutting some deal or threatening or doing something but trading when these people going in and wrecking the place and wrecking his own place. And Lou just says, Chief, stop right there. You're not Putin. You're never going to be Putin. You're not Hitler. You're not Paul Pot. You're, you're never going to be those guys. They, you can't trust them. When they say they're going to stop here, they never do. It, it just, it's just the way they are, and they have to be dealt with like a snake because they are. I mean, I, I you know, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, you're right. This, this is so illogically, it's so screwed up on every level, and yet, how do you say that you, okay, give the guy Ukraine. Can you honestly go to sleep tonight and say that's as far as he wants to go? Hey, wait a minute, he's got one of our states back. Didn't we used to have Poland? Didn't we used to have these guys? That's that's the way the dude thinks, unfortunately. How many times did, how many times did people in Britain think that if he just give Hitler what he asked for, he really, this time for sure he'll stop? Well, well it, I'm not saying give him Ukraine. What I'm saying is you win the war economically. The guys, the economy, oh, I'm with you natural on that. gas and crude oil. You drive that. You drive those. Pri- like the administration wants Putin. Well, they, to be it, victorious. It's, it's very obvious now, and I, and I don't know why. You probably probably you hit the nail on the head when you said somebody's behind it. Somebody's got the hustle. The last four years, in one of these days, our our society's going to wake up, and I don't know what they're going to do. I hope they don't start shooting. God knows. Uh, uh, maybe throwing water balloons or something, but. Uh, somewhere along the line, look look what has happened to people in the last four years. If 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 Daddy Snar had a million dollars in the bank, guess what? It's now worth six fifty. Yeah, you just took a third of the guy's wealth away from him. People don't. Yet banks are making money hand over fist, and and, and now we have we we sold all these these bonds, and we're stunned they're worth less than people bought for them. All of a sudden. In the next the next leg of this, and God, I hope we this doesn't happen, uh, because I know too many people in the industry, and oh, by the way, I know many, too many people own houses. 
you know everybody's house is 30% overvalued right now. Absolutely. Anybody bought in the last four years is 30% overvalued right now. Yeah, the house, the home price yeah, index yeah. is just crashing. And, and, and it hasn't it happened here. It went straight up and went straight yeah, down. It hasn't happened here. Like, I hope it doesn't because it never went up that much. Uh, but for, for, these people have to know that that's happening. It, it's right in front of you. It's, it's, it's basic math. It's, it's not even Hal Snar graduate school economics. It's freshman year economics, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I keep on thinking about that movie uh, with uh, Mike Myers where he plays the Dr. Evil. And remember where he's like screaming and that slow-moving uh, tractor's coming toward him? And he's just kind of frozen. He's screaming, and it's taking forever for that thing to hit him. Yeah, that's how this thing feels, man. It's just <laughs> it's the Titanic. Well, I'm looking and at we can't, the Fed can't steer it left or right to avoid the iceberg. It's going to hit that iceberg. Well, you see what you did to me. If I was if I was grumpy to start this morning, which I wasn't really, I always love it when I pick up Mr. Weber. We talk sports all the way in. I, mean, I miss Matty only once a week, uh, so it's always a high point of my week when I go get him. So. I'm always in a good mood, but you know, what you, you know what you did to me. You drove me to the Federal Reserve Board balance sheet page. Yep. Do you realize that we started the the tippy top of this mess? Let me, let me make absolutely sure if I do all here, but I, I think it's the tippy top. All right, the tippy top was about eight point nine trillion dollars on their balance sheet. Eight point nine six two is the one I got here, but that's close enough. That's pretty close to nine trillion, and they have been working it down. This was on uh, where, where are we here? We are March twenty third of uh, Wednesday, March twenty third of uh, two thousand and uh, wait a minute, wait a minute uh, of uh, last year, so a year ago, basically a year ago. So we have, we have, we they have worked that down, mate nine six two to two weeks ago to eight three three nine. So they're down uh, six hundred billion dollars off the balance sheet. Of course, they popped it on the balance sheet and, like, lickety-split, but on the way down, they're going slow and slow. But they're doing what they said they were going to do. All of a sudden, now, in the last week, we went from 8.342 to 8.6. They put 300. They dropped it 6. They just popped it back up 3. I will I will bet you an adult beverage that, that next week when we're on the show, they will pour more money in, and they will be right back where they started before they dropped it. Well, I think they have to be because they have to have this stuff locked up in the Fed, right? I'm saying they're, they to, they're, they're going to put that much more money back in the system that it's taken them a year to take out, and they're going to put it back in in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, how, well, this how, whole, how crazy this is whole that? Thing, yeah, it's it's really nuts, and I think it's going to get much, much worse. I mean, I, th- I think there's regional banks throughout the United States that are in the same position as Silicon Valley Bank. They ha- they They have these long bonds – that they purchased, you know, I think I think a, a banker is probably thinking, eh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be safe. I'm gonna buy these ten year bonds. Interest rates have been zero for what fifteen years. Well, you, you bought you bought those bonds at probably one and a half percent, and on short term yep. rates you were getting nothing. So it actually yeah. sounded like you were doing something. You're getting yeah. one and a half, and you so weren't getting anything. The the Fed built in this expectation that interest rates are going to be zero percent forever. It's never going to change. Modern monetary theory works. We can put as much money as we want. We can keep interest rates really, really low. There's not going to be any malinvestment. And all of a sudden, the Fed raises interest rates from basically zero to almost five in a short period of time. The the fastest rate hike. Um, and you know, I don't I don't work at the Fed. I'm not a regulator. 
I'm not thinking about this stuff on a daily basis. But if I if I was at the Fed and I was a regulator, I think I would be thinking about how raising rates so fast would affect a bank because that's what the Federal Reserve is about, well, right? Well, except regulating except banks. you had they to, don't the only problem I just was discussing that with uh, uh, Kenny earlier. Uh, when, when you when you when you're down so low, and all of a sudden you have to go from total expansion to where you. You're caught with your drawers absolutely down in this inflation. Everybody else knew it was coming. You and I knew it was coming. We knew it was here, right? And yet they were in denial. How how exactly, if your rates are zero, and all of a sudden now you've got to fight inflation, how do you not get back to at least 3%, which is neutral? How do you not get there fast? Going back to 3% should not cause the problem. You know what's here? Boy, Maddie's going to think I'm absolutely totally nuts, which I probably am. There was a time in (laughs) Chicago when we had one of the greatest things they ever did for lake erosion is they actually sunk telephone poles along the lake and then filled put huge rocks around them you know and these were you know creosote poles and it actually stopped erosion for probably 50 60 years and all of a sudden one year we had all this the lake got real high and these these things were all breaking down and everybody goes oh man we got to like do the new stuff and by the way it's it's the the fact that the lake level is high has caused all the problem. But then all of a sudden I read this engineer's report that somebody gave me. And you know what? The lake level was so low for like a, a five-year period that the bottom part of these posts all got exposed and dried out. So when the lake got high again, they weren't strong enough to keep the uh, and started to snap off. So the problem was not the high water. The problem was the low water before it. Our problem yeah. right now is not the interest rates right now. The problem is why in God's name they ever went down to zero. Why your mom, my mom, if she was still alive, went to the bank and got nothing for five years. That is unconscionable. That should, yeah. That's the problem. Not, not now. Or am I wrong? Well, you know, if you think back before the financial crisis, we all thought that the Fed being at 1% for a short period of time, I think it was maybe a year, if that, that was too low, too long. It caused the, the market Fed crash. Then, yeah. It caused then, the market crash. It caused then, the prime market to go higher. And as soon as he yeah. went back up to normal, the market crashed. Yeah. But then after the financial crisis, we even go lower. And uh, we're at zero basically throughout the, the Obama administration. Yeah. We're at zero during the first couple of years of the Trump administration. Then they start raking, hiking rates. And the stock market collapses 20%, and they, they kind of bring it back down. Um, but when you do that for that long, when you have interest rates so low for so long, you know, people who start banking in 2010, start their bank career in 2010, by the time 2020 rolls around, they th- the world they know is where interest rates are zero to two percent that's yeah. the world that they know my students have never seen uh interest rates like we've seen interest rates so when when they start working at a bank in 2010 and that's when they're first really they understand what interest rates are and they're at zero percent one percent for the entire length of their career of course when they become higher bank managers they're going to probably think it's pretty safe without thinking about it, to buy these long treasury bonds. The yep. Fed has ingrained us into thinking that is normal. Hell, how many people in this country 
probably relatives of yours and mine. How many people in the last 10 years have had, pick a number, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in a bank making zero, have a credit card, and if they miss one payment, they're paying 25%. So the bank owes them forty nine five, and they're paying interest. Yeah. I mean, it's insanity. And since I actually did a study, 2008 to 2020, credit card rates went up as as the the the, the rates bank paid went down. I mean, well, this, obvi- we know the winners here, right? And it's yeah. not oh, us. Yeah. SP futures no, up 31. SP futures up 75. We're up. The little, the little banks are rallying here. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Allen. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 32. As if Futures up 79. We're trying to put uh, a nice day together here with these, with these uh, mid-sized banks and small banks bouncing back here. Let's hope we can do that. Uh, it's been kind of tough because the shoes keep falling. Every time they do, we turn around the other way. But uh, yesterday, just as a way of review, uh, we had a nice day yesterday. We were up uh, 382 on the Dow. We were up 34 in the S&P and uh, 45 in the NASDAQ. So we're going to try and continue that. Over in Europe, up pretty up pretty strong. Dax up 252, 1.7%. FTSE up 117, 1.6. K 
Kakarot up 116, 1.7. So very, very strong across the board there. No, uh, no issues with that. DK closed today for some reason. Hang Seng up 258, back up over 19,000, 19,258. It's 1.4%. Shanghai up 20.6%. Uh, bonds up, up, up 10 basis points now to 3.58. Uh, and we got the bonds, uh, uh, the bonds are down, meaning the, the 10 years off the bun. Up 17 basis points, 2.27, as we're kind of looking like we're heading towards normality here a little bit. So maybe uh, this thing with Credit Suisse is going to have some legs. Uh, Japan down five basis points, which is sort of odd, uh, down to 0. 0.2, uh, 0. 0.23. We've got oil up a buck six, but still under 70, 68.70. Print up 90 cents, 74.69. Natural gas unchanged, 221. Our Bob unchanged, 254. We've got gold coming back a little bit. It's been really strong through this, this whole crisis period, I guess you want to call it. Down 1480, 1968. Still pretty high. Silver down 6 cents, 22.58. Copper up 7 cents, 402. We've got Bitcoin up 219, 28,092. We have the U.S. dollar kind of right back where it was when all this started. The, the euro about 107, almost 108. And the pound 122, almost 123. So up, down, all around and kind of right back where it was. Well, maybe two months ago. Maybe we got for us traffic weather sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have a couple of crashes to report. We'll start on the Tri-State I-294 southbound right at the Eisenhower there. So right where 294 meets 290, we have a crash that's been moved to the exit ramp but has uh, caused some congestion uh, in both directions of I-294, but especially on the southbound side as you're getting onto I-290, so keep that in mind. South of there on the Stevenson, we have a crash that's on the uh, outbound side just before Cass Avenue, which is exit 273. That crash is blocking the left lane and is causing solid traffic if you're heading southbound on the Stevenson. Normal traffic volumes if you're coming in from the south side, same for the inbound Stevenson and inbound Eisenhower. Uh, but the bigger concern is we've begun construction in earnest on the Kennedy. Right now, the two left lanes are blocked between Irving and Montrose, but that will continue to extend throughout the week during the overnight hours, and then it'll eventually be blocked from Irving all the way through Ohio as we begin this three-year project on the Kennedy. Weather today, sunshine early, then more clouds later on, a high of 50. Right now, it's mostly clear and 37 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast and a high of 68 today. Right now it's overcast and 63. In sports, Bulls beat the 76ers in Philly last night, 109-105. to 105. That game was in double overtime. Uh, Bulls are, are in the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference, uh, which puts them uh, in the play-in game so far uh, with about 11 games to go in the regular season. Blackhawks were blown out by the Avalanche 5-0 in Denver. Coyotes were off there at the Jets tonight. Chief? Um, hey, I have a a real simple, um, someone might even say stupid question. If if we know, which I think we do, that all these bonds and a lot of real estate might be sitting at uh, less than book value, shall we say, let's call it that, on these banks' balance sheet and others, insurance companies, pension funds, I mean, you name it. Uh, and there's people, I think, that have probably bought into uh, mortgage portfolios that are somewhat underwater, but if Everybody hangs in there and pays. You'll be okay. Uh, why don't we do something intelligent, in my mind, and raise the bank reserve requirement from the ridiculously low zero and bring it back to 15 or 20% like it traditionally has been? That way, uh, there, that gives another cushion at every bank. Why, why can't we do that? Do we have Hal? We do. Hal, it looks like you're on mute, if you can unmute yourself. Yeah, I must have got muted during the break. 
Well, if you, if, there we go. If you, if you, <laughs> I think you were the muter. No, actually, I think last week what happened is I got muted during the break because you don't want people talking during yeah. the commercial break, right? Yeah, yeah. The guests get <laughs> muted during the break, so that way if they if they sneeze or if they talk or something, it doesn't go over the commercial. That's that will or, be or, that's going to be fixed toot. by the that's going to be fixed by the way. Al. we have a guy coming in, and we're going to get another computer, so you're going to come in on a separate computer, so we don't have to do that anymore. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, my question was, uh, I know you'd hear me, is why don't we do something incredibly stupid, although I think kind of smart. If we think banks and all these places have a little bit of a capital issue, why don't we just re- raise the reserve requirement to 10 or 15% on, on, uh, on deposits, where it should have been all along probably? Well, I'd actually go further. Um, I'd actually go to 100% reserve requirements. And you mean no, never, no bank- loan? Never a loan? No, well, well. If banks want to make loans, what they have to do is they'll have to hire, they have to raise, you know, their their thirty year, or their twenty year, or their ten year paper. They'll have to hire the well, to raise those interest rates to pull deposits from demand deposits into time deposits, so they can instead of what they're doing now, where they um, uh, lend long. And borrow from borrow short from checking accounts. They have to m- match the maturities, well, and that's that, without, without, that, that system would. Yeah, but without going radical, securitize. Like, without going radical, like you're going on me here, I think a, a simple move from zero to like ten might be the first step. I mean, I, yeah. Well, I think what happens in my study of history of banking uh, is when the Fed raises or adjusts reserve requirements, it kind of shocks everybody. Well, and I'm, I'm shocked at zero. Yeah. Just it, can so have, just, it can have it. Let me set the background it. for the listeners for a second. When I use all these examples, I'm using examples from when I was in school, which is a long time ago. And I don't know, what, what, when you uh, were in school, Hal, the reserve requirement was had been 20% like forever when I yeah. was in school. And then now it's like zero, right? Well, it was, it, was temp, it was set at 10% in early 1990s. And then they zeroed it, yeah. I think, right before the pandemic. Like, yeah, green, when they, when I, they went I, I from M1 a, to M2. I thought it was a Greenspan deal that zeroed it. Maybe not. I, you, you could be, no, no, right. it, it was a 10 for, uh, I think, 10, 15 years. And then right before um, the pandemic, I think in March of 2020, if I remember right, when they okay. erased M1 and just went to M2, they also set reserve requirements to zero. Okay, so just so everybody's on the same page, what a reserve requirement means, and I always give the – Example like of the Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia City Bank in uh, Bonanza, right? If Hal goes in there and drops a million dollars on the on the bank, they could lend out eight hundred thousand. This this when it was twenty percent, right, Hal? And then yeah. now that person is going to get the eight hundred thousand, but he's not going to spend it the next day. So he's going to put the eight hundred thousand back in the bank. And this is how the this is how the money supply increases. We, yeah. Money supply increases or decreases because of the population, what their actions are, and the Fed. Just tries to be referee on it. They don't normally raise or lower it. When times are good, they have to kind of retard it, right, Hal? Because it's going to. Just let me finish the story. So that person puts the eight hundred thousand back in the bank. So now, what's your money supply? It's now going from a million to a million eight because both people can write a check, right? So now yep. you can only lend six forty of the second eight hundred thousand. That guy puts it in the bank, and now you're down to whatever. So there's 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 always a break on the system. And uh, the reserve requirement, it went back down to 10, and then now Hal tells me he knows the date that went to zero. I'm saying if we're so worried about 
bank loans exceeding their capital and now these bonds that are supposedly good capital but now are shrinking, we should we should just I think we could just raise the reserve reserve requirement and everybody might be happy for a while now. Well, I think what happened though is all of a sudden you have you would have I think you'd have a big collapse in money. So I think it'd have an even bigger deflationary effect. Because now banks instead of making those loans, all of a sudden now it might not have any effect because maybe banks are playing it safe right now. And they're not lending out like they well, were. Well, I mean, I, I would maybe move it to five percent, a little yeah. something, just to just to yeah. tell everybody you're putting kind of a break on these guys. Well, when, if you remember uh, back during the 1930s, um, one of the problems, one of the three, one of the three major um, problems the Fed created was when it started jacking up reserve requirements, and it destroyed a lot of smaller banks that were doing all right. Yeah. All of a sudden, they had to have. A bunch of money on reserve, and the beneficiary of that were these big Wall Street banks. Do you imagine that? So imagine yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say that uh, when it, during the break, I was thinking about what we were talking about before the break. You know, we don't we we are not a free market economy. If we were a free market economy, prices would fall. And the thing about the system we have right now, it is so incredibly advantageous to people with wealth oh, yeah. because if you look at the Fed over the course of 20, 30, 40 years, what does it do? It creates inflation. So if you're a rich person that started you know, uh, if you're from a rich family from the early 1900s and you are able to pass that wealth to your offspring, the Fed keeps them at the top of the heap by inflating their real estate holdings, and so all you have to do if you're if you're in that club, all you have to do is kind of just hang on to your holdings, yep, and ride that wave of the Fed create inflation. Well, I, I would say that the wealthy people are the second biggest beneficiary of inflation. The first biggest, the government itself. Yeah, the, the government and the people who uh, are in on this uh, military industrial complex, this war making machine, that this group of people that. What constant, unending war? They every time, every time you fire a missile, for the nations. Every time you fire a missile, there are two million that are good, or whatever a missile. Yeah, you can't, you can't make any money in defense contracting if all the weapons are sitting on the shelves. Right. So you got to empty those shelves, right, by having these endless wars. Or, or you want? I mean, for a long period of time until uh, the Russians or the Chinese got into the act. I mean, if you got shot anywhere in the world, it was what you know, like an eighty percent chance of being an American bullet, right? Probably, I, I would, I would, I would think so because we have what 140, 150 bases throughout the world. Yeah, but I mean, we, we for a long time we were like the massive arms manufacturers, and then the, the Chinese jumped into that fray, and uh, the Russians do some too. But well, I, the good news is that most Americans, I think eighty percent of Americans, in a recent poll that I tweeted out, I think eighty percent of them do not want to be the world's police force, and a small percentage of Democrats, twenty percent, I think, and. Like fifteen percent of Republicans uh, want to engage in this European war that's going on, so I think that's the good news. I think the I think the administration, Mitt Romney and Lindsey Graham, the the anti-war Democrats who are in favor of war in Europe, in favor of uh, expanding a war against a nation that has the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons on the planet. War didn't work very well for us in the Middle East when we were fighting guys drive around in Toyotas. 
Now we're poking a bear that has the largest nuclear well, stockpile you can't, on the planet. I, mean, I, I have, uh, you know, clearly mixed emotions on this. I, I don't, I obviously don't want to see anybody get killed. Surely our people, but the the idea that that all you have to do now the same thing would happen is if Iran gets a nuclear war, then they get to invade everybody because we don't because they have one and we're afraid of them. Well, I think what you do is you make war very expensive for nations who are almost entirely dependent well, our, our, on natural our, gas. Our guys are. Our guys are trying to do that. They're not doing it probably as efficiently as you and I might design for them. Because the last thing you want to do is drive the price of oil up for the guy, like we did for a while. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. I mean, it was, it was. I think that's more of an incompetence. I hope than uh, than than bad intent. But I, I have to think that. Well, you know, at some point, it doesn't matter what the intentions are, because the outcome is what uh, these nations have are flush with cash, and they have the money to finance war. I, I honestly think that, uh, and you know, and, and Lou will talk about it on Thursday. I'll ask him that you were talking about it. Uh, I, I think Russia is seriously draining on this, and I think Putin's buddies. And that's why, I mean, Lou's right. I, I, I would have thought that by now, enough of those people would have essentially gotten used to the good life and the yachts and all the other stuff that they had. I, I would have thought that they would turn on this guy by now, and obviously they, ha- they haven't, or they're afraid to, or something. I mean, there's well, a- he's he's it, uh, can you imagine the propaganda that he's spinning within Russia? Oh yeah, oh yeah. About the Americans, right? Well, it's not it's I, not I, the Americans. It's the, the the propaganda is that the Ukrainian people are essentially subhuman. They, they it's almost like yeah. a Hitler thing. I mean, they're, well, they're within, subhuman. Within they got no Ukraine, business. though, within no- Ukraine though, you have on the eastern side of Ukraine a Russian living in Ukraine, and you have pro. Russian Ukrainians, and then on the eastern, the western side, you have pro-European uh, Ukrainians. I think it's it's so it, the country itself is divided. It, it's it's okay. I'm saying it, it. There needs to be some sort of a a talk here somewhere, and it's not going to happen between Ukraine and Russia. There, there's somewhere along the line, somebody over the top, either Biden or Europe or China or somebody, has got to say, "Hey, look, you two idiots." This part of the place is going to end up being Russia, and this this three quarters becomes Ukraine, and lay off. But now, if if Putin means that's going to, he's going to lay off for a year and attack again next year, which it seems like that's his his mantra. I mean, yes, it, it, should there be a, a, a negotiated settlement? I mean, you and I would say yeah, but when you, I actually don't. I don't think you need to even negotiate a seller uh, a settlement. I think all you do is you just set that industry free. Um, Set the industry and you free. Relieve the scarcity, and the prices of crude oil and natural gas will plummet, and we won't have to fight a war. Well, I mean, Russia but, will be bankrupt. So now, they if, won't be able to finance if, it. If, if Lou was here, he'd slap you upside the head the same way he does me. He would say, "You're not talking about the U.S. You're not talking about a place where you're going to conscript soldiers." In three weeks, they're on the on the battlefield with no training, no uniform, maybe a gun with a few bullets, and they're getting butchered by the day. That that couldn't happen here. We would we would revolt. We, look what happened to Vietnam, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, it, but it is happening there, and somehow or another, Lou watches Russian TV. He's, he's, but but he can, but he can only do it because uh, he. But I'm saying, prices are high. Uh, again, high. you're putting your mentality. I mean, I. I I know how you economists are, right? <laughs> but deal with you guys. But I, mean, I, I remember you I sit, people, you, you people. people, you. I remember sitting there <laughs> listening to Milton Friedman. Once you get some economic freedom, don't worry. The the political freedom is going to follow. It doesn't. 
He was he was wrong. And the, guy, the guy's one of the most brilliant men I've ever seen. It, it, it doesn't seem to follow. You, you would think that the, the hardship this guy's caused in Russia, here the guy had been gone two years ago. There he's just getting warmed up. I, I don't understand it. Hell, I mean, I, I'm, by the well, way, well, my, 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 I agree with you 100%. Money. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Somehow he is. Well, he's, he's able to fight because only Europe and the United States is abiding by Biden's I, 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 but I'm, but Other nations are buying The fact is, the dude has something that other people want. He's got oil, he's got natural gas. And, and, I, got, and I got news for you. If, if, if Europe might turn the other way if, he, if, if they had a cold winter. I mean, other people, maybe they don't care so much about Ukraine. I mean, Poland does because they're right next to them. And they know if the guy if the guy gets that one, they're probably next. Yeah. So I mean, it all depends. On I just kind of, I, th- I just think we're fighting a war that we don't need to fight. I I don't think everything we, we're doing everything we're doing is enabling Putin. We, Putin's a bad we, guy. We're, we're we've done some dumb things. We do dumb things in like every war. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, government government does dumb things because it's spending somebody else's money. Plus, we all so we, government does dumb things. I, I think we can't mentally deal with. Somebody of that mentality. I mean, I don't think I don't care who's president here. You, you how how the hell do, do our guys? I mean, how how could I have a conversation, or you, or Matt Weber, or anybody we know that has some sense of morality? How do we have a conversation with the guy running North Korea? Yeah. What do we even talk about? Yeah. I mean, I, you you could hit him with every economic treatise under 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 God, and he's going to say no. Everybody's starving because I'm building a missile. Screw him. <laughs> and, yeah. and he gets away with it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know. How, I don't know how you would argue economically against that. I, I think. Know. I think North Korea, the way they indoctrinate the people, and uh, you know, the way they indoctrinate from the youth, their, the, from the baby stage, um, throughout their lives, that this leader is God on earth. I, and then some people, some people, you know, they're born contrarian. They don't buy it, I so they're either raised hell, you indoctrinate them by, or escape the country. You indoctrinate them by anybody who, who looks cross-eyed at the guy. You yeah. rip them apart with, with an anti-aircraft gun. That's how you indoctrinate them. It's yeah. fear. It's not. It's, nobody yeah. believes this guy. Do you think those people are dumb <laughs> enough to think that these guys, he's, he's a well, good guy? They have to. they have to appear to think. They have to appear to believe that he right. is God, otherwise they get sent to a slave labor camp. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> that's the, or they get they get outed. They get they get removed from the earth. Yeah, where, 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 where's where's our buddy? Uh, everybody's saying where's Jack Ma? Where's he living on Thailand? Yeah, there. he kind of disappeared, didn't he? There there was a Chinese billionaire that was critical of China's COVID response. Yeah, all of a sudden he was just erased. And there's people right. there saying saying we go buy Alibaba. I mean, what? I, I, I agree with you. How, how the hell does that happen? Yeah, I mean, Kenny was just saying he won't, won't buy anything in China. Why? Why is? Uh, why do people still want to buy Alibaba here? When they, the guy who was the run of the place, where is he? <laughs> I don't think he's dead, but uh, is he still? In well, China? I think. I think what happens is the way the Federal Reserve runs its uh, operations and creates inflation and bails out uh, rich people who have deposits at Silicon Valley Bank. They all know that they can keep their profits. Yeah. And if they make any losses, the taxpayer is going to cover it. So it just creates all kinds of moral well, how, hazards. But how do you people think people make bad decisions? How do you how do you think they've been able to, <clears throat> with all the other people talking on TV, the senators and all the other people that don't seem to know what the hell they're talking about? But they probably do. I mean, they have a skill center. They wouldn't be senators. Oh, they uh, got. I think got economists. Economists got to be telling them uh, but, the but, truth. But how, I mean, how, I think how they're just lying? How does how does the population put up with 
mean, when the last inflation episode, I mean, the inflation was 12%, and my mom was able to walk down the block and get 13 and a half at the local savings and loan. So yeah. re- regular people with, with any, just savings didn't get screwed. This time, you're worse than screwed. And what, what, yeah. But the opiate of the people is, if you just would have invested in Microsoft, you'd be okay. But you shouldn't have to do that at 80 years old. You should be able to put it in the bank, and, and you should not just get drained like these people got drained. But yeah. they did. The Fed, really, the, the Fed really pulled one over us, man. Yeah. And they, were wh- created, why, they, they were created to, to um, get – I think they were created to get people to pull money out of their mattress. But you're, complain- banks. you're complaining about why, bank. Are, why are the Russians so silent? Why are we? Yeah. Well, I think, I think most people I think most people throughout history, no matter how despotic the nation is, no matter how despotic the South was with Jim Crow, I, I think most people, as long as – their kids are okay and they got school and they can eat I think they're okay but there gets to, to be a point where all of a sudden um, a threshold where alright I can't take this anymore Yeah, and there there is massive change well, there, so there's I think something. most people I think most people are like alright I can still pay my car payment I got my job I can still put food on the table I might have to pick up a second job so the pebble in the sandal is not big enough to enrage them to action, to well, what, protest. What do you think? I mean, if, if we just became observers and not people trying to educate, which both of us are, uh, you more formally than me, but I mean, I hopefully by having a guest on the show and people listening, at least hear all the sides. I mean, I sure as hell don't yeah. have the answers, but I'll admit that I don't have the answers. But what do you think? I don't either. What do you, what, do you, what do you think is happening now? These, these are little seeds of basically insurrection all over the place. Because everybody knows they're getting screwed, and who's winners? I mean, yeah. is that, is, do you think Jamie Dimon thinks he's popular? Do you think most people think every, at the end? Of I the think day, he thinks he's popular. Yeah. I think I think Biden thinks he's doing a great job because yeah. why? Well, well who's around you, these guys? Once you get in that in that mindset, you think you're doing a great job. We're not so much think, you're doing a great Mitt job. I think Mitt Romney think I think Mitt Romney thinks he's uh, doing a great job for Utah. Well, I mean, because who's around him? I don't. I Who's don't. Around these guys, I think it's slightly different, uh, Hal, because I was. Oh, I was on a board for six years. It's. It's not that you think you're accomplishing so much because maybe you aren't accomplishing anything that you're trying to do. It's. It's. I'm doing the best anybody could given the circumstances. Well, I think they think they're doing a good job because everybody that's around them is telling them, "Hey, you're doing a great job." Well, even, they even want to lose their job. the lady who just is out out at mayor here in Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. I mean, from the outside looking in. Uh, everybody would say, "Catch you did a horse bleep job." Yet, in her her mind, she probably goes to work every day, tries her fanny off every day. There's 15 crises before she even gets to her first coffee, and her thought is, "I don't see anybody could have done any better." Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but know. her advisors, her advisors are yes people. Well, yeah. Right, and they're saying, "Hey, you're doing a great job." That's why I think the second administra- the second term of a two term president. Seems to always go unhinged because you probably are so beat up from the media pummeling you that what you do is you you surround yourself with even more like-minded people, and the group think gets even worse, and that that's that's the problem. Well, and the, and the people you normally count on are already trying to get money from the next guy. Yep. Yep. You lose your power. Yeah. I mean, it's the Chinese guy figures that out. You're much more powerful. You're there for life than if you're there for another year. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Hell, hell, <laughs> hell, thank you very much. I swear one of these days I'm going to show up in the back of class 
What do I? If I wear a full camo outfit, will you not recognize me? If you wear pink bunny slippers and pajamas, I won't recognize you. Oh God, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> By the way, do they have they have pajamas in my size or bunny slippers? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny, man. That would be funny. <laughs> SP Futures up 33, up 73. Thanks, Sal. Thanks, Maddie. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jobs. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.